Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our reading today comes from Jeremiah's letter to the exiles, chapter 29, verses 1 and 4 through 14. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And blessed Advent. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, it's, uh, it's hectic at our house sometimes. Every Sunday after church, this is how we deal with that. We have lunch and we sit around the table and everyone gets out their calendars. We plan our week with school and work and Taekwondo and confirmation class and now more events and holiday stuff on the calendar. We have to know what is happening and who's going where and who's doing what. So we make a plan. Otherwise, things get hectic and we make choices for convenience and we get more stressed out than we need to be. Also, just a good practice for us to communicate our needs and make requests. It's also sometimes uh, fun. (laughs) But I'm thankful to have such an organized partner who teaches us this practice. And each one of the kids has a calendar too, on paper even. And they write down everything they need to know for the coming week. So probably today we'll be planning out the month with holiday parties and birthdays and shopping outings and meals. But we know the week doesn't always go according to plan. Things get changed on the fly, especially if someone's not feeling well or an event gets canceled or added. We have to learn to go with the flow. Usually it's me that screws it up. Well, there's a lot of moving parts, and some changes are going to be inevitable. But uh, usually it's that I forget to add something to the calendar, or I fail to bring up an event that may or may not happen, or I, or I forget to an evening Zoom meeting. There are so many. And I cause the occasional organizational catastrophe. My plans are never perfect. So maybe you've heard that saying that goes something like, we make plans and God laughs, right? Funny, you little humans. I've found that to be mostly true in my life. Uh, Our plans, they're so often about what we want to do, where we want to go, what we want to acquire. Well, God's, God's plans are a bit different than ours. Maybe not as comfortable as we would like. And apart from the cross of Christ, perhaps unknowable. The prophet Jeremiah was writing to a people who were afraid. They did not know what their next week or month or year was going to look like. Jeremiah was writing during the time of this great exile to Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar had defeated the Egyptians. He had taken control of Judah after the fall of the Assyrians. And the king and other noble elites, the wealthy especially, were taken away first. Not their plan. Later, the temple would be destroyed and more people taken away from their homes to a foreign land. No way could they have planned for that. So we hear this especially famous verse, verse 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Do you have that like on a a banner or on a pillow framed somewhere in your house? Yeah, it's nice. We like it. But maybe we miss part of that context. When we look back to verse 10, thus says the Lord. Now, you know, it's serious. Thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back, 
it's going to take a while. And it's not going to look like they had hoped. We make plans. Can our plans be any more than wishful thinking? Maybe we learned that a little bit last year. I remember trying to plan for things like Christmas Eve and, and Lent and Easter and go, I don't know what's going to happen. Plan for something, have to change it, set a date, got to move it back. And as Americans, I think we are so often shielded from the suffering in the world. I mean, we don't worry about being conquered or about the kind of warfare that still plagues the land of Jesus' birth and the neighboring nations. Many, if not most of us, who have lived through troubling times, times of tragedy or war or disease, can say that our lives were not really derailed by these things overall. There are exceptions. I can think of uh, neighbors who fled New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Many of them came to Las Vegas. They can mark that as a turning point in their story. Or, you know, maybe we think about 9-11. We know our nation is not the same as it was before then. Veterans of wars in Iraq and Afghanistan will be forever changed by their service to their nation. But even now we hear of things like the Great Resignation, people leaving their jobs, working from home more often, massive changes in our economy. Maybe we'll find how struggling through a global pandemic has changed our plans for the future. But again, it's going to take a while. That's okay. We can wait. This week, we begin this season of Advent. Traditionally, this season, when we come together, not just to eat and celebrate, but to wait and to share our longings for the future, our hopes for a new year. But Advent is about waiting and watching, listening to hear the story of the Savior coming into the world. We watch for Jesus' arrival once again, especially as we hold space for our neighbors who have suffered so much this year. We make lots of plans, but this season is about God's plan for the world coming to pass. God's great plan for us is the gift of Jesus, our Savior. So you got to imagine Jeremiah giving this unpopular message at a difficult time in Israel's history. When some wanted to fight their captors, they wanted to resist and rebel against Babylonian authority. They weren't sitting around and waiting. They didn't want to do that. So there were plenty of prophets, plenty of folks who said, yes, let's, let's fight. Let's push back. The plan to plan to overthrow the Babylonians uh, would have been to sign their own death warrant. They were powerful. But Jeremiah said something else. Stay, live, pray, persevere. Wait on the Lord to act. Central to staying true to their faith was surviving in capacity, in captivity, passing on traditions to the next generations, holding closely to God's word in the Torah. For Israel to remain, they must trust in God's plans over their own desires and instincts. They had to have hope for that to happen. What is hope? This day we light the hope candle. We talk about hope. We are always talking about hope. What is it? 
Well, researchers at Arizona State University have studied this. They've learned that we can, as human beings, cultivate hope and learn it. And hope is different than wishful thinking or blind optimism. Hope comes from setting a goal and working toward it in small steps. I think that makes sense. When we know what steps to take, we can be more hopeful about our future. We can be hopeful that as each one is accomplished and we're moving toward a goal, that the right thing is going to happen. And even when it doesn't, we know the next step to take. If you get stuck in traffic on your way somewhere, you know how to plan an alternate route, recalculating. You gotta find a way around. And then you're hopeful that, well, oh, this, this part's gonna work. And then you hit another detour and you, get, you gotta, gotta do it again, right? When we know what steps to take, we can be hopeful that as each one is accomplished, we're moving toward a goal. But the next part is checking in with ourselves during this process to see how are we feeling about the steps we're taking. So if you don't have that energy or enthusiasm about the direction, it'll be harder to have hope. If you get stuck and you go, ah, oh, you know what? That was a bad idea. I screwed it all up. I'm just gonna give up. You're not gonna have hope in that situation. We gotta check in with ourselves. See, see, are we going in the right direction? Are we making the right decisions? And they learn that cultural context matters too. Different factors in our culture affect our outlook on life. They can make us more hopeless. And they studied hope among youth who had escaped war in Colombia. And they were generally less hopeful about the future. When you have trauma like that in your past, that may be the case. So we can imagine systemic oppression, violence, racism, things that seem out of our control can eat away at our hope. These researchers learned that hope takes time and practice. And when setbacks occur, to reevaluate goals and needs. And that we can foster this culture of hope as communities uplift and support one another. So hope is not something we're born with. It's a practice. It's something we do. Something we can grow in ourselves, in our families, and in our community. Our mission here, in this place, is to share the heart of Christ in the heart of the city. Together, as a community of faith, we call that our goal. That's what we're going to be about in this place. To not only speak about Jesus, but to share that heart of Christ. And we do it in lots of different ways. It's given me hope to see how this church comes together when there's a need, when a family can use some help, when children find a safe place, where neighbors get fed, where people know they are loved and welcomed and supported. Our angel tree still has some angels out there on it. You could stop by and pick one up on your way out today and help out a family in need. Or if you're online, you want some, some angels, we, can got them. we got them for you. We are living hope here every day. The message of the prophet gave light to those who were in darkness, to those who had been shackled and sent away. They didn't know where their hope was coming from. They were sent away to live in a place that was not their home. And the prophet says, trust that God is good, even when you're far from the temple. And take these steps. Build homes, plant gardens, Create families, support each other, concrete action steps that helped when they didn't know what was going to happen next. So 
It's more than just wishful thinking. He's encouraging people to hope. So we might say some of the same things today. Remember who you are, people, no matter what troubles may come, that God's love for you is real, it's lasting, it's near. And our hope is not in consumerism or elected officials or buildings or institutions. Our hope is in the power of resurrection, the goodness of our Creator, the lasting love of the Holy Spirit given to us, to know that we are God's beloved, to know that God's plan for us is good, that we prosper because of the love of Jesus in our lives, and we are called to share that with one another, to support and sustain one another in faith, to invite others to know that hope that is in us, that hope that we have that cannot be dissolved by our tears or the suffering we face. We might not be in exile, but we know our world is in distress. Our relationships may be strained, political differences divide us. Just when we think the pandemic situation is improving, it seems to worsen and the future can be bleak. But we are here. This is where we find ourselves and we can stick our heads in the sand and smile and act like we're okay. Or we can stand up and praise Jesus and speak life into the world again. This season is another opportunity to take the small steps that make a difference in the lives of our neighbors. And I love the turkey and the presents and the lights and the music and all that stuff. But this season, the good news we share is not about our plans, but about God's plan for the whole world, where every single one is loved and forgiven and welcomed and renewed through the cross of Christ who took every failure and fear to that cross and made us one in him. We are the body of Christ in the world and we have something to share. God is love. Jesus frees us. The Spirit sends us. And this is so much more than wishful thinking. This is our hope. This is our truth. This is the advent of our Lord. Amen.